So, Christy, did you like Starfighter? <laughs> okay, first, wait, wait. So, I want to, if we could, yes. go through maybe a format we want to adhere to. Maybe not all the time, but for this episode. Sure. Okay, so I was thinking maybe we all, like, whoever goes, goes, and they'll say what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, blah, blah, blah. And then we go into why we think the other person likes it. Yeah. In that order, okay? Or do you want me to go into why I think you like it first story? <laughs> no, I mean, that, that works for me. Okay, cool. So, two weeks ago, Maddie recommended that I check out a webcomic called Starfighter. Um, and it's by a creator named Hamlet Machine, which is, like, an amazing name. I think it's a play. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's actually a play. So if you Google Hamlet Machine, you're probably going to get some Wikipedia article. <laughs> and it's a not-safe-for-work comic. I think we covered that briefly <laughs> last time around. Yeah. And my thoughts... <laughs> we did. We, we talked so much. <laughs> we did, yeah. Uh, uh, my thoughts on Starfighter... Um, so if I were to express the vibe of the series now after having read it all, or at least like what's available, um, I describe it as a not safe for work, sacred band of Thebes meets Battlestar Galactica 70s shoujo plot, which is pretty much how you sold it to me. So you were spot on <laughs> there, uh, from my own perspective as well. And one of the things I liked straight away was that, it was like sex first, emotional buildup later, <laughs> uh, which, you know, I mean, hey, I like me, like so many other people, I think really like the slow burn type of deal where it's like agonizingly slow before, <laughs> before, you know, the characters engage in anything like sexual. So this was kind of a reverse for that for me. So I was like, what's happening? Oh, my God. OK. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm on it. I'm on board. I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> like, let's do this. And I think that like fulfills the not safe for work comic quota <laughs> that I think a lot of like porno pornish comics feel like they have to do <laughs> like you have to have porn within a certain amount of pages or your readership is like well okay <laughs> which I feel is I think similar to what must be mandated at HBO they have like a titty quota for like each episode <laughs> that's what it feels like so it does that but and this sex also works to set up various movements throughout the plot you know and and I don't know I feel like the sex in the series paints a kind of desperate brush with a desperate brush not like in a negative sense but like you get a vibe of the overall tone of everyone's kind of mental ennui <laughs> because the sex is is presented in the way it is um but that could just be me because no, i come from the the, the slow burn world <laughs> yeah i mean that um yeah i i, I completely agree with that there is the, there is a, almost a kind of desperation to it almost not Ye not from like a creative point of view but like in yeah within, within the universe it's... yeah an emotional tone i guess is what i mean uh um, and you know the sex is arousing it's well done but i feel like it still heavily focuses on character reactions and faces if that makes sense over what their bodies are necessarily do doing so again i mentioned already like in a slow burn story the sex is treated as like the oh my god finally like <laughs> you know m emotional bit and uh, the emotional parts in those type of stories are the 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 readers and audience carry that over into the sex, so they f kind of shove it in there themselves. And with this, <laughs> that's possibly not you know, the best. That's possibly not the best. You know, you're right. It's probably not the best. But uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> so, like you know, the audience places great importance on the sex scene in those type of stories. And from this one, 
I feel like it's in reverse, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's two people who have sex, but it slowly, like, develops into an, emo- an actual, like, emotional attachment and a relationship and stuff. Y- yeah, but I, I feel like I've bungled the what I think I was trying to focus on. <laughs> so let's go give me a step back a second. Um, like, in other comics where there's sex, you know, there's an emotional buildup to it, and it's like a will-they-won't-they, they, blah, 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 slow burny, whatever. Um, and when they do get to the sex in those type of comics a lot of those comics focus on the physical like mechanics of sex as opposed to focusing on facial like responses or like i don't know an emotional current you know what i mean like i was trying to say is the the audience carries that onto those parts yeah. and in this comic it feels like the sex is the events in which people bond and that's the getting to know each other and trusting each other part and then later on like the having a special picnic behind in some storage unit is like the oh my god finally moment (laughs) instead yeah so i i don't know i really appreciated that difference from like usual kind of what i read personally and i I also really i loved the character designs because it has a very cohesive feel to them you know like the characters are differentiated but you still have to focus on people's names, which is a personal trait I like in comics a lot of the time that some people don't. But I I find it enjoyable when, you know, the art has enough of a similarity or, like, a groundedness to it that I can't just be like, oh, it's the pink-haired guy. <laughs> you know, like, I have to actually learn names and remember the name to the slightly differentiated face, especially in the series, because it's like all the navigators are what have white hair, and all the, the other guys have the, the black hair. Oh, Fizes. Yeah, so they all... They're kind of similar, and it it doesn't work at a disadvantage in this series, which I thought is hard to pull off. So, especially because it also has very sparse color. Um, <laughs> so, uh, one thing is, I I did find the action bits, like the actual star fighting, you know, lacking. <laughs> you, which would be fair, you kind of warned me about that. Like, it's not <laughs> focusing a whole lot on the star fighting per se, as it is the like character stuff. That being said, a lot of the like the few scenes of where the ships are out doing ship stuff and we're seeing the navigating and the fighting. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all very, it's very storyboardy design wise. And again, obviously it's like the show, the series, the show, the series focuses more on interpersonal and relationship stuff, but like the inner monologues of like, wow, he's really talented at navigating or whatever. Instead of showing that, I think they could have spent more time cultivating the aspect of, you know, Cain and Abel relationship in the functional life or death operating mass machinery in harmony type of thing, I think is a bit of a missed opportunity to kind of blow over that <laughs> in favor of other things. But, you know, uh, ultimately it was still really enjoyable. And I hope that they actually go back and try to maybe span it out a little bit. And I think because they didn't spend a lot of time in the ship it, it makes the pacing issue it doesn't have it super pacing issues but it makes it a little disjointed to me but that's really my only personal like criticism of it other than that i really really enjoyed it it was hot you know so bonus <laughs> <laughs> and i i think you like it because uh it's got dudes boinking so that's pretty cool i mean yeah fair yeah and, and there's, like, a whole fleet of white-haired <laughs> pretty people. Um, I know that's a personal thing for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um... That was... Yeah, that thank, was, that was thank actually, you for sharing it for me. <laughs> uh, that was actually it. Um, 
in in January, I was like, I found a list of LGBT webcomics, and I was just like going through the list to see, to see like if anything jumped out at me. And um, I got down, and there was like a little thumbnail of of Cain and Abel. So I was like, ah, dude with white hair. I will click on that. <laughs> Hello. There you go. Yeah. Um, and my favorite character is Phobos because he's a shady bitch. <laughs> he's got the best news. <laughs> okay, that's. That wasn't like a, a, a criteria that I was expecting. No, no, no. I just wanted to share that with you personally. <laughs> that he's my favorite. I kind of... He's the worst, but he's my favorite. I kind of thought he would be. <laughs> I like the... I like... I tend to like the bitchy ambassador characters a lot of the time, you know? Like, not necessarily full-blown villain, but I am a big fan of, like, the kind of antagonistic, like, why you like this man? Like, that person. <laughs> you couldn't... I, I kind of thought Phobos would be your favourite because he's the one that I can imagine doing the, like, anime girl laugh, like, the the, the, Kada- yeah. the Kadachi Kuno laugh from, like, behind yes. the hand. The Onisama. <laughs> well, 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 he, well, he plots evilly. Um. Yes, he's very much that character. So it, it, that's my vibe, you know. I'm really curious um, because, again, it really does have that Keikyo Takamiya, Moto Hagio. 70s manga shoujo sci-fi boys love vibe going to it but i have no clue if hamlet machine is like into that or what i mean i assume they know about like yaoi and all that jazz but like how far back they go i have no clue it'd be really interesting to like i don't know talk to them or find them i can probably find them on twitter and stuff i mean ask them questions like a person (laughs) (laughs) okay good good save good save yeah yeah Um. yeah i'm not gonna like root around in their tumblr and or twitter timeline history to find that answer i could ask like <laughs> you could just ask like can, a person i could ask like a person <laughs> I gotta remind, um, remind myself about that <laughs> one thing i really like about starfighter is you know like th- there are certain there are certain like stories where the specifics of the setting aren't really like explained to you from from the get-go there's no like opening crawl you know like you have like you yeah know, yeah in like certain like sometimes in movies they will just like explain the setting of the movie to you over explain yeah yeah and there'll be like yeah. a, a text thing going up saying it is the future and the badness has happened and everything's shit yeah i don't know if you know this based on what i suggested for you to watch but i'm not a big fan of when people do that yeah. i like when i'm like wait what the fuck what <laughs> like well, yeah, i like that's... being dropped into the middle and then figuring <laughs> it out i really enjoy that and that's one that's something this series does do and i i'm thankful for that <laughs> yeah and um, that's I was gonna, I was gonna touch on that as well uh, when we when we start talking about uh, from the new world. When but, we switch, yes. Yeah, um, I, I really like how in Starfighter, it's you get like a vague understanding of the setting, like you know they're in space, they're doing a war, and because of like other things that you've seen like that, you kind of you can just kind of go, yeah, okay, I yeah. I, I can imagine what that might be like, and then it like slowly over the course of the story, you get more and more details but not sort of like outright details it's like you know like you know like how in lost um they just kept like adding mysteries without really yes, i know i know all about lost yeah it was a letdown <laughs> it was just kind of like you can't just keep adding questions you will eventually have to answer them um, yeah <laughs> i think starfight starfighter does the actually effective version of that whereas you you get like more information but you're not sort of like told outright how things work but you're given you're given like new information that allows you to contextualize 
what you've already seen like um yes the, exactly the scene that i sort of think of in terms of that is when you first get the like when you get like your first and as far as i'm aware only at the moment glimpse of earth and what like kind of like the high command is and it's 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 almost like this you know and it's kind of it's almost like a temple it it's um was it like a big part or was it just a panel it was like, like a few it was just like a, i think it was just like a few pages you just get to see like um the i think it's like the woman who's like in charge and oh, she almost yeah. has like acolytes and stuff and it's like yes that gives gotcha that you know it, it's not explained like who you know it isn't explained like who this woman is or how this like hierarchy works or (laughs) what role it plays in wider society or anything like that but you know just getting that slice helps fills it out a little for you in your head yeah it informs like everything that you've already seen in the comic and uh like i said it allows you to contextualize what you've already seen so you can kind of go okay well if if you know if this is the case i can kind of understand why you know other things that i've read in the comic all like this. Yes, and I I think the series, I think Starfighter does it actually quite well. Again, my only pers- like issue would be if they folded in... I mean, you could have named it Kane and Abel. You didn't have to name it Starfighter, but you chose to name it Starfighter. Um, and it's still really kind of fuzzy on how that really works. I mean, I get the logistics of it as the characters explained it to me, but I haven't seen it really well. And again, a part of that is because it's very storyboardy action, which is fine. But I think they just need to spend a little bit more time on that because it would help fill out not only our understanding of the characters and what they do, but also more of that, you know, folding in world building that the series is really good on in a lot of other ways. Um, I think that this series is like a kind of, you know, it's like sex and that's the spearhead. And then you have the characters kind of trailing behind and then the wider wake, which is a bit more undefined, is the world building stuff. And I, I think that's a good format. And I, I want to read, I'm going to keep reading it, so there you go. <laughs> I'm going to keep reading it because I want to know the mysteries and what's going on. Um, I mean, I have an idea. You, but... you, uh, you did say to me, uh, in in what I would consider flagrant contravention of the rules that we established. No, you, you did... no, we did... <laughs> no, you, you did... I did quit! <laughs> you did tell me that you're planning to play uh, the game. Oh, fuck yeah, I'm playing that game. <laughs> That is some me shit right there. <laughs> there. There is a there's a visual novel, Starfighter Eclipse, which is set in the same world. It's about two characters which are specific to the game, but the characters from the comic are also in it. And you yeah, yeah. and you you know and you you play this like almost like a mystery plot, and also there is sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think you would probably you would enjoy um, Eclipse, the visual novel, just. Don't you know? Play it on the bus or <laughs> yeah. in in a doctor's waiting room where people can see. Um. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't go anywhere, so I'll be all right. <laughs> but I do have kids, so I'll play it in the nap time. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, mommy? Hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> None of your business. That's what. Yeah. So I, you know, there you go. I, re- I really, really liked it. I'm going to keep reading it and keep up with it. I'm going to play the game. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. And yeah, thinking that's... of me and how you think I would enjoy it as opposed to my very selfish, <laughs> uh, <laughs> strong-arming you into something, you know. So, thanks for that. <laughs> that no, that's fine. I, I, you know, I, I was pretty sure you'd like it. Uh, now, um, so, uh, with regards to your strong-arming, 
Um, yes. I guess. Yes. I suppose we should talk about that. If if you would be so kind. Okay. Wait. Wait. Pause. But in between. In between her. Yeah. Not talking to you about Starfighter. And then not, this is the one I didn't think about. I didn't think about how much I wanted to bug you about what episode are you on? Like, what, <laughs> where, what are you up to? Where are you, where, are you, where are you at there? You know, like that was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I like got really frustrated. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm like, type and type, type, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> like that's, that was my whole two weeks. So I, I it works though. Right? Like, we have, I have a lot of my notes. I got things to talk about. So, oh, yeah. it, it does I've, help. I've, I've got like three pages of notes for. I know. I made like a lot of notes, and then I get talking, and then I lose my spot, and I'm just a mess. But <laughs> I, I have <laughs> my whole big old book right here. So, I really like our format. I, well done, us. Clink. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, uh, what, so uh, what you recommended to me was uh, an anime called From, From the New World which was kind of hard to find when I was looking for it online but that was because most places that have it on most places that have it online seem to have it as the, you know under the it's it's actually it's like original title uh, Shinsekai Yori. Oh yes. And I don't know why cuz it actually like in the in the like the actual credits of the show it says from the new world so I don't know. Um yeah. but uh you you um you had to help me out cuz I couldn't I couldn't find it. I, I could only find the dub and I really wanted like Christy you know this about me. I'm not bothered about yes. like you know dubs versus subs. I don't have like a dog in that fight. I'm like I'll yeah. I'll watch whatever. Like I, th- I think like it tends to be whichever one I see first. Like You're not dying on the hill is what you're saying. Yeah, you're, like it's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, um like the first time I saw um Magica Magica, I saw the I saw the dub. So that's kind of like that's kind of how I function too. It's whatever I start with. Yeah, it's like I, I just continue with I, that I, one. I still, I still cannot bring myself to watch the dub of Yuri on Ice, and I don't know why. It's just <laughs> you know, I have it's like, fun. It feels like a completely different show, though. <laughs> I'll be honest there. Yeah, it's like I have in my head like how the characters sound, and seeing them sound different would be like what? No, what? It's almost insulting. And it's not like because it's bad acting or like anything like that. It's purely just first experience defines it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, um, yeah, so I agree. I, I wanted to watch, um, I think it was like, because it's based on novels, I wanted to watch a sub because I, th- I, I don't know. I just thought that would be like, I don't, I, I don't know. Man. I think you made the, I don't the, know what I thought. I just thought I was kind I of I think like, you made the right choice. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just nerd intuition. Some titles you just think, <laughs> no, I gotta watch this in the original language. And I legit think that's a completely real <laughs> reason. <laughs> so, yeah. there you go. Um, but I did, I rode in on my white horse and I hoped you would <laughs> get a hold yeah. of this show, which um, was, surprise, 25 episodes instead of <laughs> 14. I originally said they were because yeah, and, I forget um, I I watched I watched those twenty five episodes in in like nice. in one go like oh shit just start to finish <laughs> that was that was my day just from the new world like back to back you were like fried after that huh you were <laughs> messed up <laughs> um yeah well here's, here's here's the thing uh from the new world it's set like a thousand years in the future and there's this kind of almost you know there's a very kind of idyllic society of people with psychic powers and you and maybe some maybe some bad shit happens maybe or maybe lots of it does yes okay first of all 
the thing that ki- the thing that like really threw me <laughs> was I mean it, it's how like the the series opens um what one sort of like re- repeated motif throughout the show is the uh the the um the society that it's set in um, yeah. they they live in villages in inside what they call the holy barrier so it, it's like they kind of, it's it's almost like a like a psychic wall almost um around, yeah, around where they live and yeah. there's like like everyone like everyone like i think like basically everyone has to go home when it goes dark so they play music to let everyone know hey it's time to go home now that music was that they play is from the new world by uh um, yes by Dvorak. Dvorak. yeah uh now ninth symphony people of my age and geographical location will probably most associate that music with a bread commercial <laughs> oh my god really yeah um the the Ho- awkward the the hovis bread company um had adverts in in the uk in the 80s <laughs> using that music so to this day i hear that music i'm like i need some bread um <laughs> So, so the whole the whole show, you're like every it's like Pavlov's response. You're just like, Bruh. yeah. I was like, <laughs> it was like, I was up to like episode eighteen, and I was like, Matt, I really want some toast. That's so funny. Um, uh, <laughs> I had uh, no idea. That's it, it's interesting how how, bra- how brains work. Where it's like this, this like wonderful you know piece of music and the way that it's used so effectively in the show. Like, yeah. there are times when it's used in the show. It, it's it's literally haunting. And I'm just there going bread. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the bread. This is the bread music. That's so funny. If bread, if you crack open a loaf of bread, this is the sound it will make. Um, <laughs> wow. No, no, never knew that. I I associate with graduating high school. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I had a good friend, and we like traded CDs. You know, pretentious high school kid thing. So we like traded CDs that we found meaningful, and he gave me freaking the Night Symphony. I was like, thanks, man. <laughs> I don't know. I associate it with uh, graduating, but I, I think the bread thing—that's kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> that was—that was a—that's a, a hard—I got deal. I think I, I got past it, but it, it took it, yeah. it, it took a while. I was kind of like, so. maybe, maybe there's like going to be like the opposite effect now, and I like associate bread with like psychic horror, and <laughs> then you're going to be just a mess. Just be bugging out in the supermarket. Um, <laughs> Okay, continue. I'm sorry. I can't get over it. It's such a funny mental image of every... Because I play that song it's like in every episode. Yeah, every, every episode. <laughs> um, so funny. So, uh, yeah. So, it's... The the story is set in this, like, idyllic little community. It's like a thousand years in the future. Society has basically become based around people with psychic abilities. It's what, um... Uh, in the... In, the sub that I watched, they refer to it as Cantus. Yes. And it also gets called, like, PK, with, you know, psychokinetic. And it, it follows, the, it follows characters. It follows the main, the main character is uh, a girl called Saki. And it kind of follows her from her childhood to her adulthood, which I was kind of surprised about. Because, like, when I first started watching the show, I thought it was going to be, you know, kids. <laughs> it was going to be, like, you know, like, a ki- a, it was going to be, like, a kids thing. But then... Another kid show with yeah, kids yeah. doing... Yeah. Nope. And then you know a, a few like a few episodes in, it's like now you know it, they go from being like eleven, and then a few episodes in, and it's like and now they're like fourteen, and then and now they're sixteen, and now they're like now she's twenty five and she has a job, and it's like 
Well, okay. It's a nice change, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it, it's a very... It made it feel like... It's going to sound really weird, but it made it feel like I was watching a book. I'm... Yeah, because it, it goes through more time, you know? Like, it's not like a normal anime where it's like, one semester in high school. <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, I would be re- I'd be really interested to read to read the book. Uh, I understand. There's... I'm dying to read the books. I really wish someone would translate it. I think so. I think I've read that there is a fan translation available online, mm. so I might have to just you know same just like hunch over my laptop just reading the book. Like yeah, it's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really liked the the themes of of the show. Um, to me, the for me that the main sort of the word that kept coming into my mind as I was watching it was uh, lapsarian, which is mm. which refers to you'll you'll most commonly hear prelapsarian, uh, which basically refers to time before the fall, as in like the biblical fall. Um, but this was very much, I mean, obviously, like Christy, you'll you'll know because I think you know you I I've like prompted you to talk about this in the past, like the the use of like Christian themes and iconography in like anime and manga because mm. like s- someone on twitter made a very good point like um anime and manga is really it's one of the only things that uses christianity in in a way that western media uses pretty much literally every other like, Buddhism, re- yeah. re- religion and you know forms. it's a prop it's For, it's yeah make your but, make your thing look different sound different be but, um, cooler yeah <laughs> yeah but it wasn't it wasn't like very overt in from the new world. It was more the kind of like feeling that I got. Um, one of the things it reminded me of was the uh, the His Dark Materials um, <laughs> trilogy by Philip Pullman. Really? Yeah, but I never got that vibe from that. But that's fascinating. Um, I mean, honestly, it's pretty similar. It's possibly because like th- those books were like a pretty huge like deal for me when I was growing up. So, me too. <laughs> it was They're like... very important to me. But I, I don't know. I just never got that vibe. I read his dark materials around the time where I was like transitioning from being a kid to being an adult and going through that kind of weird interstitial phase. Um, but the, the feeling that I got was like, it's all about like, um, one of the like main themes that I got from it was that the knowledge is painful and it's kind of like it's almost like you know like loss of innocence like you know like knowledge means like loss of utopia and and knowledge means death and like awareness of mortality and and stuff like that there's you know this the stuff that you get in the in the genesis story but and uh, i honestly don't think it was like intentional on the part of the author you know who wrote the original novel but that was very much like the feeling that i got it's really interesting like um my favorite character in it uh, was uh, Satoru, who is a f- mm. who's a friend of the main character. If there's ever like any character in anything who's a storyteller, I will tend to like them the best. And Satoru, I thought was really interesting because he kind of was a storyteller. He he the, is. There's there's like you know they have like you know like urban legends and stuff about things. You know like that's some of the best stuff to in, do like, like early on in those episodes. Yeah, that's some interesting stuff. It's kind of yeah. like if if you've ever seen Hey Arnold, you'll. Um, <laughs> occasionally where they they will just stop and tell some outlandish story that has some truth in it yeah yeah, and it's always like uh gerald gerald is like the storyteller and satoru is kind of he kind of almost fills that function in from the new world and what i thought was very interesting is like when you see uh because they go to a school called sage academy which is like where they learn how to like use their counters and stuff 
and what initially um when you, a lot of the lessons that you see the lessons kind of almost take the form of parables where it's explained obviously it's explained to the characters but it's also like how it's explained to the audience about things like there are things called fiends and there are karma demons uh, yeah like uh, fiends and karma demons and we are essentially uh, both the characters and the audience are essentially told this through a story I, I don't know I, I found that like very interesting like storytelling is like part of their education almost it, it's yeah. a very it's very kind of like it is like sort of teaching through parables um, that's exactly what it is and again like we talked with starfighter it does the thing where it shows you this and it tells you this and it sets it up but it comes back to it later and you're like oh shit <laughs> like, yeah i see well, i get it now yeah like the the moment where i kind of like realized what i was in for with from the new world was uh like episode four the characters yeah. like they get the kind of like end game revelation that like for, for like for most other stories would be at the would, end would be like oh it was this the whole time you know yeah <laughs> right <laughs> if, if you haven't seen the sixth sense stop listening for like a few minutes but imagine if like 10 minutes into the sixth sense you find out bruce willis is a ghost it's like that yeah and then as an audience member you're just kind of sitting there like well they figured it out now now what why what are these other <laughs> you know 13 episodes or whatever gonna be like what and boy you're in for a ride <laughs> i um, always thought that was a good choice <laughs> yeah um it also does a thing that um that i thought was was very interesting because it, a lot of the time it doesn't get done that much in other things so you've they have this like utopian society but they but they also have slaves um there is like mm. uh there is like a servitor race you know they're presented as as essentially being genetically uplifted um i think it's naked mole rats yes um and they essentially just exist to do like the grunt work like, yeah like like the heavy lifting and that like that they exist in a kind of like almost like feudal society outside of the sort of system of the of the villages that you know they have like wars and stuff and they can like submit paperwork to say please can we go to war against this other colony of rat people and it's like you know and at some point someone will you know some like a you know a human will just go yeah okay tick go go kill some dudes whatever <laughs> do what you gotta so yeah you you dotted your eye your eyes and crossed your t's go go for it go at it it's one of those things where it's like you see like in utopian fiction is you kind of think like who's doing the shitty jobs <laughs> yeah um and like a lot of the time they do like i mean a lot of the time it's robots and then that yeah that that was like i'd say that was probably the other like you know like big theme of from the new world that was really interesting to me was like how personhood is defined that 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 was the kind of thing like the thing with with the with the uh like the rat people of of this like the servitor um like race essentially that they have it's kind of like these are these are clearly like you know thinking creatures like you yeah. know that they, they have you know they have language They're intelligent yeah they, they have language and they use tools it's like they are you know functionally no different from humans as, they just look gross. as you know as as they exist now they they just they don't have the psychic powers that basically makes them physical gods it's so it, it's that like as as soon as they were like brought as soon as like i think again they're like episodes like three or four is where like you find out about like the they that this like race of like rat people exist and are basically subservient to 
the like human society that our main characters are from you get that and i think you get that in a lot of utopian fiction like a lot of a lot of the time there are slaves in paradise so it's yes i think the the queer rats are absolutely fundamental to the whole series working i mean obviously plot wise but just the many, 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 that's the thing with this show that can be a little overbearing is there's a lot to take up from it. <laughs> there's a lot of themes and there's a lot of things you can think about. And uh, I just, I love the, how the queer rats, more than, you know, the psychic people, the the the, the evolved PK users are uh, are kind of more about moral, social questions. And I think the queer rats hold up a mirror a bit to our own society and history and the combination of them together is very, very interesting. Yeah, and um, sort of, sort of related to that. Um, one thing that I did think was very interesting was kind of like it almost like shows how, in a lot of ways, like history is circular. It's almost like you know there are like cycles yeah. of history because um, it starts. It it starts off like there's like a prologue in the present day of you know people with psychic powers kind of going on the rampage and just like bursting people and shit. Yeah. and it's. You know, and it was while while the bread music is playing, so that was <laughs> a lovely like bit of like cognitive dissonance for me. Um, Welcome <laughs> to the new world, yeah. <laughs> um, and then it, over like the next like few episodes, you you occasionally do get like prologues showing like the the time that's happened between that, basically between the present day and like the thousand years in the future the, where the, the little snippets of history yeah. yeah and there's all you know and there's like emperors and and shit and it's you know it's kind of like it, it almost oh like, my god it's almost kind of like in a lot of ways it's almost like like a like a psychic um version of the sengoku jedai like of the, the warring <laughs> states period it's kind of like yeah um because obviously it's, it's set in, yeah it's set in japan so it kind of like it almost like cycles through again it's like you know people will get so far and then you know war breaks out you know like you know it's 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 like it's the inevitability of war it's like you know there's there's always going to be conflict there's always going to be and i you know and not not to get too like depressingly topical but people kind of i think for, for certainly a lot of the 20th the, the late 20th century people kind of assumed that it was all it was all going to be like an, an upward progress from here and you know it's like yeah we you know we did like the two world wars and we had yeah you know we had you know as 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 a species we've had our like brush with fascism and stuff like that but that could never happen again and now it's like uh bitch you think oh yeah Um, so it's kind of like you know stuff has a tendency to come around again yeah and a lot of the time with this the show they also do that visually because like in the future it looks like the past you know um which i thought was always really fascinating but it would still cycle through visual cues of particular time periods that would correlate with what was going on with the queer rats or you know the snippets you would get of human history which was very clever i think because it really helps you know your brain be like oh okay (laughs) i can recognize that type of uniform i can recognize that type of building i can recognize you know so it helps you align what kind of time period or like theme or event <laughs> you know you can expect from what's going to happen in the episode or what they're showing you yeah uh now the other the other sort of like main thing that i wanted to touch on with it um is there's an interesting sort of like facet of their society uh in in from the new world where it's like it's kind of ex almost it's, it's like expected almost that kids will have same-sex relationships 
when they're in school. Yeah. Um, How's it explained in the show? It's explained because they tried to breed a society that's like um, the monkeys, the bon- Bonomo. Yeah, it's um, it's it's basically uh, b- bonobos are they are like the most like chill ape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they just have sex all day. Like they get in an argument and they're like, actually, let's just screw instead, and then they do that, and then they're like, all right, peace. Yeah, and like pretty much, and you know, and it's not even you know, and and sometimes it is you know same sex like pairings. Yeah. Who do that? Um, I know that um, male bonobos sometimes engage in penile fencing. Um, <laughs> Which, the, the, which, as far as I'm aware, there is none of in From the New World. But it's kind of interesting because it's like, it's almost, you know, it's it's like, it's accepted and encouraged that kids have same-sex relationships when they're in school. But then they get to a certain age and it's like, right, now, boys, boy, boy and girls, pair off. Find... Yes. You are a girl. Go and find a boy. You are a thing now. Isn't, isn't it, that interesting? It's like sudden because... heteronormativity. Because obviously, like, they're th- you know, they're thinking, I think because it's like every, everyone is assumed to be cisgender. So it's it's like it it reminds yeah. me there's the there's a book that I like that um a very dear friend gave me um several years ago. There's a book called The Stone Prince by Fiona Patton and that's like a you know fantasy. Uh within the setting of the book um the sort of the royal the the sort of the people of the royal family uh like before they you know if 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 they're not married it's kind of like allowed for them to screw around but only with sort of people of the same gender as them. And it's kind of, it, it's done that way to avoid, you know, it's like, you don't be with anyone that you can make pregnant, and don't be with anyone who could make you pregnant. It's essentially a way of avoiding illegitimate offspring to, to, muddy, <laughs> yeah. up, to muddy up the royal, lo- the, the, like, the line of succession, basically. And it kind of reminded me of that. It's like, hey, kids, uh, we've all got these uh, godlike powers that could crack the world <laughs> in half. So kind of the last thing we want is for, you know, you guys to be getting up the duff with these like psycho babies so maybe just keep it you know within your genital group shall we say um <laughs> I, I found that the first time around like I've ac- really really interesting yeah i've actually got in my notes here sudden heteronormativity <laughs> <laughs> well you know i okay so like in the show it's presented like most things in the show it's not really explained until maybe a little later like way later in that case but you you just visually see that a lot of pairs within the scenes like overwhelmingly um between like the what age group are they in like the 14 to 16 age group um seem to be pairing off girls with girls boys with boys um and then later on they get a little older and it's like they suddenly have to choose a work partner they go down from their team of five to just teams of two and you know they come up and it's always expected that a boy's gonna ask a girl and within like the setting it's alluded to within the series that our main five or eventually four uh characters uh once they have their fun camping trip when they're young and learn all these things they're not supposed to know, uh, they they were stopped to be tampered with. Like they weren't, they were no longer brainwashed or you know had hypnosis happen to them. So they actually have more free will than anybody else. And it's interesting that Saki and Maria still continue their relationship even past the point of having supposed to have paired up with somebody else. Um, I thought that was kind of a clever you know they don't outright say it but they continue to 
you know, in the, the end last scene. I mean, it's hard to talk about because I want to, like, spoil it too much for people that yeah. might be interested. But, you know, they, they continue their relationship. And um, I always thought that was that was interesting, how everyone else was forced to pair up. And you assume also because they need to keep procreating. <laughs> like, that's really probably the only reason, supposedly, there's based on this baboon society of love. They never talk about, like, if you can just switch partners and it's like, okay, no one cares. You know what I mean? Like, you would think in that type of society it would be fine to just, you know, throw your keys in the bowl and <laughs> go have a party. But they never, you know, get into it. They're too busy doing other things that make you sad inside. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, hit. Okay. But that's one of those things, again, with the series where, like, you gotta, I feel, really pay attention. Because I saw online, you know, so people are like, well, I hate that it's suddenly heteronormative. And I'm like, you're, you're right. You're not wrong. But within our character base, it's like, they yeah, actually, yeah. It's like you're you're supposed to think it's weird. You're supposed to question, yeah. why that, why you know, why that would suddenly happen. And you um, know, I'm me. So even going further back, it's like in Japanese society for a very, very long time, especially like in the pre-war era, World War II era, leading up to World War II, they had this new social class of young girl, and they were encouraged to be with each other as opposed to being with boys. So, you know, I, I feel like it's a kind of a history coming around again thing as well. Here's why I think you like it. And Do I tell. Like, th- these are, like, you know, notes that I made um, uh, for the first episode. Is, um, <laughs> uh, and I was just, like, writing down stuff that I was thinking and stuff that I liked. Um, I, I liked the character designs because they reminded me a lot of the art of Arena Tanamura. Yes. Uh, that kind of, you know, like, very, elongated very big eyes very kind of yeah almost like long necks yeah um layered clothing yeah so that kind of i was thinking that you know that that that, that was the thing that i liked about it so i think like the the plot even just like in the first episode the vibe that i was getting it was kind of like a mixture of the twilight zone and shirley jackson and yes. i know that those are both <laughs> like things that you like and i was like so like, you hit the nail on the head there. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. That that show gives me such hardcore Shirley Jackson vibe. Like by episode two, I was like gripping the the sides. I was like, guys, everyone who could possibly listen to me, please watch this with me. And no one would. And I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'll watch this myself. And I did. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, mad like lottery, haunting of Hill House. Yeah, that's a lot of that kind of you know. Yeah. The thing that I think um, Shirley Jackson does well, and it was also something that the Twilight Zone did very well, was like showing you. It was like scenes of normality, but some like just enough stuff is off that you you almost get like a kind of like narrative uncanny valley effect, where yes, it's like it's like paranoia, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, paranoia is like I'd say probably one of the other main themes of, <laughs> of from the new world. Yeah, I mean, their whole society gets to the point it is, right? Because basically they're afraid. <laughs> like, they are, they live in fear. It's ultimate, total, complete annihilation fear. So, I, so many of their choices make sense, but then you're still like, that's a bitch thing to do, guys. <laughs> that's fucked up. But that's what I really like about it, and that's why the Queer Rats, I think, work so well, because they're this parallel, you know, society running to theirs. But you can see the problems in both, and then how neither are any better than the other yeah one thing that one thing that i found very interesting was um i mean this is this is like a minor spoiler um but in in episode four 
where they they basically do get like a kind of like end game exposition dump that most other you know m- most other like stories I think would save for the end. It was like ah surprise it was this the whole time. Uh, whereas with in from the new world you get that information like pretty early on so you're kind of like wow okay um, yeah uh, they um the kids go on a camping trip as part of their like education and they go like really far outside of where they're supposed to go they basically go into like the forbidden spaces beyond uh and they find um they call it what um, they call it a false minishiro and it, it's like a sort of like weird like slug slugular animal but it's got legs it's a little bit like it, it looks like a sea slug pig that's on acid yeah kind of and it's got these like weird like tendrils and shit coming off it and uh they essentially like they, they interrogate it um and they find out that it's actually a library it's like it's like a yeah. walk-in like repository of knowledge and like that's the like how they get all the information that they're that, that they're not supposed to have and then uh a guy turns up um I can't remember his name. It's like, oh, the, it's like, the the monk. Yeah, uh, I think his name like Rigin or something. This like, you know, monk turns up and like burns the uh, the essentially burns the library um, with his with his psychic powers. And the quote that came into my head was uh, by a German playwright, and it's um, you can actually like see it. Um, there's if if you go to uh, Berlin, there's they've they've got a monument to all the book burnings that happened uh during the third oh during i know what, what you're gonna say yeah. yeah it's like um where they burn books they will one day burn people um, yeah and that was kind of and like... it, it's poignant because the false minister to protect itself the last thing it does is show an image of a woman burning yeah to almost like emphasize to like not just like to the characters but also to the audience it's like i think like another sort of big theme is that like reality as we experience it is in a lot of ways defined by memory so your like sense of yourself as a person is based on your prior experiences but all you have of your prior experiences mostly are memories of them so in a way your existence is defined by your memories and yes and perhaps if someone was to tamper with those memories what effect might that have maybe that's a theme maybe who knows maybe possibly Um, you know, it's such a so, little weird thing in the series, but I like when they try to remember stuff they can't, and their eye twitches, and they always like rub it. It's one of those things they don't explain it, but you you get what's going yeah, on. There's, there's, <laughs> there's the, like, yeah, it's like there's, there's like no attention like is drawn to it, but it's like it's there like enough that you would notice it, and you'd be like, oh okay, um, yeah. But yeah, so the um when when it gets burned, the false minister like projecting an image of a, of a human of a like of a person burning. It's like. I think it's a really good visual metaphor for the destruction of knowledge might as well equate to the destruction of people in a sense. It's like, I mean, Doc, the thing, like, you know, if, if like, if people are like stuck in a library in a blizzard and it's like a choice between <laughs> burn some books or die, then they should obviously burn the books. But like, to like willful destruction of knowledge. I, I mean, it, you're, you're absolutely a hundred percent right because you know how the series ends. It comes full circle. It sets up in episode four with that very simple imagery of, you know, destroying the knowledge or, you know, you're actually burning, you know, a person. And then what the society goes through because they try to keep their knowledge so hidden and so secret and so safe, it didn't work out, did it? Like when things go to shit, everyone 
doesn't know what to do. No one can, you know, think outside the box. No one can <laughs> do anything to to get rid of the later issue, you know, um, of a, a fiend. Yeah, so... because, because, you know, they, they don't have, they, they kind of, like, they don't have, like, a historical context for it. Like, you know, They have it, none, they don't... other than this fable that they're told, you know? Yeah, and it, it's kind of like, by sort of turning, because um, one, one of the things that, um, I mean, it gets set, like, set up very early on, is um, this idea of fiends who are essentially like depicted as like demons and then over the course of the story it actually turns out that fiends are essentially just people they are like you know psychic people who are using their psychic powers to kill which for a variety of reasons tends to not happen like um which we like we won't go into because it's like yeah i mean you find out like fairly early on but it's such like a big thing i don't really want to detract from it but like by like you know taking this natural process and mystifying it and turning it into oh it's demons and that you are making people less able to deal with it it's like exactly you you're you're making you know it, it's kind of that 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 i think was um another sort of like another i'd say like over overarching theme is the idea of like not just people but societies kind of like being hoist by their own petard it's like where choices that you make will eventually come back to bite you in the ass because you haven't like you're, you you know no one actually sat down and thought far enough ahead to think well you know we could do this but then what if this happens there's no like there's no like contingency in place but the but i think this series i think they do have those contingencies in place but they they're all forced so early you know what i mean like they don't have a backup there's no after safety net but there's like a initial precog <laughs> type of deal where they go and solve the issue before it yeah, even becomes one. There's kind of like there's there's no kind of like um, there, there's no contingency beyond you know kill people until the problem goes away. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like yeah, kill them all, let God sort it out. Um, it, it's kind I of... love uh, I love Squealer. Yeah, or yeah, the like main kind of queer rat guy. He's amazing. The what... voice actor is amazing. Gave an amazing performance. Yeah. We're, we're we're given um, the, there's really only two um, queer act characters in the story who are given like a lot of focus and um, I don't you know coincidentally or not it's the ones that are able to speak like in in like you know intelligibly to the human characters um, and they are but they're both like they're, they're depicted as being like polar opposites but as sort of like the story goes on you kind of see that i mean that they probably wouldn't be very happy about the comparison but the, you kind of do see similarities between them and they're, they're kind of presented as being almost like you know polar opposites but I, I, you know like as the story progresses you get more information that, that's yeah kind of, that's kind of like that's, that's kind of the show like as a whole their mo yeah it's like <laughs> it's what it likes to do yeah you get more information as the show goes on and then you remember stuff from earlier episodes and a lot of the times they don't flash back and be like hey remember this this is why that this is why that but you you know i mean maybe this is possibly because like i did just watch like 25 episodes in one go so i was just like <laughs> so it was yeah. all fresh <laughs> yeah there was there was, a, there was an immediacy to it that there might not have been if i'd had to watch it like in weekly. once a week yeah, yeah. yeah although i think if i had done that i probably would have been doing like the thing that we did for yuri on ice where oh, we, absolutely. we would have just been like writing novels after every episode about <laughs> yeah stuff so um 
but uh, yeah. Uh, can I can I ask you some more like technical stuff? So I told you it has a, a, a budget of nothing. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if they actually got like a good budget, <laughs> like a s- actual solid budget? I think it would actually lose something because um, one. Of the, I think so too. Another note that I've got is um, where is it? It's like um. Des- uh, designed through adversity it's like there's a lot of like stylization you get a lot of like silhouettes and stuff um, well the the director is um a man named masashi ishihama and he he you know the first ending of the show the one where it's like super flat and it has kind of the pastel colors and saki sitting on the bridge and the water comes up and yeah she runs away yeah so that's like his personal um style like, he did that entire sequence himself. He's well-known in the industry for doing openings, which means the visuals can be a lot more loose and a lot more stylized and stuff. Yeah, it can and be. He also speci- it can be yeah, and he also Yeah, and he also specializes in silhouette scenes. Like, the first scene, I think, in the whole show is when they're, like, outside playing tag or something. So, yeah. like, that's his his specialty, and he he's really good at amassing people with very distinct visual styles to his aid. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it worked as well because, like, one thing that the show concerns itself with a lot is boundaries. Not just, you know, physical, but, you know, mental and personal and, and that kind of thing. So, like, having that, like, you know, like, sunset is sunset is a boundary. So there are lots of scenes set at, you know, set at sunset and the characters are in silhouette. And I think that works because it kind of, like, you just have to, like, focus on focus on the dialogue. I think it, it, it's, like, I think it's it's the charm of, like, older Doctor Who where you realise yes. that they didn't have... I think I read at one point, like, the special effects department working on Doctor Who had less of a budget than, like, than the BBC canteen. <laughs> yeah. So occasionally you will get, like, an alien that is just a man covered in green bubble wrap crawling along on the floor. That's kind of like why it works and why people even liked it. And I, think I I agree. There's a similar kind of like thing here. Like there there are lots there there are moments of like stylization or like moments where it is like more abstract. And I think that works because it it supports the the kind of the tone that the show is going for. Yeah, I think they got a combination of picking the right director, and then getting for the right material, and then also just kind of getting a little lucky, <laughs> in the sense that you know, it's a story where you can do the visual stylized stuff and it's not going to detract to it so much. But I was just shocked because initially when it aired, people pulled away so quickly because they were like, oh, this is not, it has no money. I'm like, yeah, but it's interesting. Like, they're obviously trying with the budget they have uh, as opposed to, you know, just throwing in the towel or doing something really more boring (laughs) with it. Yeah. Uh, Now, when I finished watching it, obviously I went I went looking for stuff like online. Like <laughs> I went, I did the rounds of the internet, and I know that you you mentioned it um, in you know in in our sort of like initial episode where you recommended it to me. But I can't believe how shitty the manga looks. Oh my god! It's like it's phenomenal. It's so bad. <laughs> I like because like, I looked it up. Like it came because like I googled it and it came up, and I was like, that must be a different thing. This can't be the same thing because like suddenly the girls are like way more chesty oh my god they've got like like, i don't want to talk about it they've got like that weird like shiny almost like waxy look to the skin yeah they got like like, the dead waxy doll face with like the shine um, bits on their cheeks and i'm like what the fuck they got the boob shine too where their boobs are like so (laughs) plump that they just they shine with any 
slight light. Boob luminescence. It's, it's oh um, yeah. Um, but yeah. like I was like in a bookstore the first time and I pulled it out and I was like, "What's this crap?" It's like from the New World. I was like, "What the fuck?" Who allowed? I was this like, to "I'm sorry, it's from the what?" <laughs> like I was so offended and I was like, "Well, okay, well maybe it's okay, maybe it's okay." And I opened it up and I was like, "Fuck this shit!" <laughs> it's like who who allowed this to happen? I don't. It's so different in tone from the, the original novel and the show. It's mind boggling. Well, like had... maybe they're like, "This is where we'll make our money." <laughs> It, it was it was kind of like um you know I, I did sort of like read up about the manga mostly out of like morbid curiosity oh please tell me tell me well give me some news they they emphasize the relationship between uh saki and maria yeah I saw the, that coming. yeah but like the relationship like between like satoru and shun is gone it's like they're, they're, they basically, <gasps> they basically cut out all of the you know male same sex. How dare romance. they to my precious boy? I know it's 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 almost you know it's like it's borderline etchy. Like, it's transparent. It's it's money grabbing. You know we need to make money from our show that has look, no look budget. At, and... Look at these look at these <laughs> teenage girls doing a fuck on each other, and it's like. What know. do the queer rats look like? That's what I I'm don't, curious. I don't even want do they have know. boobs? They got boobs, no, probably. Don't, don't, I don't know. Don't make me picture that. A little queer rat I've, face. Do you know what? With they, some boobs. They might not. They might not even be in it. Oh shit! That, that's what's the, the point? That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, what's I, the point? I, I don't think you know there was there was very much like fidelity to the like the plot and the <laughs> themes of the book involved in in this. I mean, just by the cover, shameless boob manga. <laughs> the the cover alone. <laughs> was so jarring. It's so bad. I I did like a cartoon esque double take of the what? <laughs> you know, like the what? <laughs> like, I couldn't <laughs> understand, and I stood there for a good minute, just being like, "No way!" I, like you cannot just, be your, your the brain, same thing. Your brain's just like refusing to accept it. It's like yeah, and that was just... like a year after it aired because we didn't get the the and I was I was multiple levels of confusion because I was like it didn't even do well in the US. <laughs> I don't know why we have this manga in particular. Like what it's... what was the choices why... happening here? Why not just like translate the book like the actual book that it's right? based on? Oh my god! Like come on, Del Rey, get with it! <laughs> like what are you doing? Yeah, disgusting. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I I will not be I will not be trying uh the manga. Uh yeah, me either. Um I'm good. Because it just seems like I mean god knows what the author the author thinks of it. Um <laughs> cuz like cuz aside from anything else their names on it. It's like story by and it's like but it's not even the story cuz you've cut a load of it out and you've changed a load of it and like like there's even shit like um actually no, I'll 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 tell you this after I finish re- after we finish recording because <laughs> Um, because I'm gonna throw my headphones and walk out of my possibly, my but room. also because it kind of gives a little bit too much away. Um, Ow. Okay, so um, yeah. We'll... So do you have any any questions for me for um, Starfighter? I read it very very quickly. I probably should have like read it twice actually. Should have done that. I mean, yeah, that was like my my sort of like initial plan was was to watch. You know, it was like it was like I'll watch from the new world and then you know and I'll just watch it and then I'll just watch it again. And that's what I'll do my notes. <laughs> but I ended up just like I have too many thoughts. I need to write them down. And then yeah, <laughs> and then when I finished watching, it, I was, when I finished watching it, I was kind of like lying on the on my bed, just like oh, I'm spent. I can't go through that again. 
not because it, not because it was bad, but like almost because it was too good. I'm like kind of like I no, I need time to recover. I need time to heal. Where are my smelling salts? I think it has one of my favorite like last four episodes of anything ever. That, yeah, oh. it has a really solid follow up, follow through. That was um another another note that I made was uh, generic fluidity. But generic in the sense of like you know relating to genre. It's like because over those twenty five episodes, it it feels like it like it shifts genre a lot. Sometimes over the course of a single episode, which I think a lot of like in in terms of like the kind of story that's being told, especially like I think because it like it follows the characters like over like you know for such a like a long period of time. Yeah, doing that really widens the scope of of what it is and it's it's again it's almost jarring when she's an adult and you're like oh there's more places she can go <laughs> like there's more than just the villages like it's, well it's fun <laughs> um, i kind of I, I kind of don't have any questions for you about starfighter because like i think you you know you, you kind of like summed up like well really, how do really you well. feel about i i'm gonna ask you things now then okay. i i i was wondering because i keep using the word storyboardy when it comes to like the sci-fi stuff and do you know the um what's it called the creator hamlet machine do you know if they have other stuff where it's like action is it just like not used to doing that type of stuff or because the art is so solid it was i was like really disappointed i was like no (laughs) no you gotta get more life behind the stuff there or do you Um, think it's intentional like maybe at the end it's gonna be you know like this is just the industrial complex bleh it's as part of the point of whatever you know the story's heading for. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, like the actual like scenes of starfighting in in Starfighter, I I kind of like the sort of the impression that I got of it was that being in in combat and that like that level of conflict is kind of confusing because I you know like I've I've been in you know I've 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 not been in a war but I've been in fights <laughs> and it is kind of like confu- you know there is that sort of element of confusion and I think. That just for me, the the scenes of starfighting, a lot of the time where you know, it is it is like kind of abstract in the sense of like, sure what the best word to use, like like the choreography almost, of yeah of the battles, like w- wasn't very sort of clear to me. But I the impression that I got was that that would that worked for me because it aided the kind of like frenetic, like almost like yeah. you know like panic that you would. I, I, I don't disagree. I I do situations. agree with that that it does express you know confusion or um everything happening so fast that it's hard to comprehend. But also much of it like it's such a linchpin point in the story too because that's like they succeed you know going and saving what's his face so <laughs> they get to the opportunity to move on and go to the next big uh, battle you know plan. Because they do this thing, and it's it's so much of it is described verbally as opposed to like showing it. And I think the plain idea of them both being in there is really really cool. I mean, the best sex scene is definitely with a cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> Pro tip for anyone out there: um, if you can shove your characters in a really small confined space, you got gold right away. <laughs> That's free. You can have that. If you if you don't have a starfighter on hand, just stick them in a cupboard. Um, yeah yep yep anywhere that's like kind of a tight space where they like forced to touch each other it's, it's great <laughs> it's a good time 
But like they're in there boinking, right? And I'm like trying to look at the 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 uh, background. I'm like, how do they navigate? Like, what's uh, what's their controls look like? Guys, move your butts, move your butts. I need to see what's going on. And I never got to see. And I was like, dang it. Um. <laughs> so like, I don't know. It's probably just me because I'm a weirdo. If I'm honest, that that wasn't my focus during those scenes. I was kind of like, I was too busy fanning myself. Yes, well. Like, oh my. Um. <laughs> They're good though, aren't they? Yeah. They're amazing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you take a moment. Yeah. Take a drink of your your Dr Pepper, whatever you got going on. Collect yourself. Um. Oh God. Hang on. Oh. I I gotta I gotta send you some links. Is what I gotta do. <laughs> I I do like link. Um. <laughs> oh, you mean like? Oh, sorry. I um. I mean, I could work on that too if you, if you like. I can send you some links of Link. I'm a hundred percent sure it's oh, out there, I, especially with I, that fish prince. So I don't, I don't, I don't doubt it. Um, yeah, quick sidebar: Why you've you've pl- you've played Breath of the Wild, right? Oh, I have played the yeah. shit out of that game. Why, yes. Is there anything in the game that leads people? Because like so much of the of the fan art that I've stumbled across, <laughs> that like Shark Prince has two dicks, and I'm like, why? <laughs> Is and, and like and it's not just like like because the first time I saw it I was like okay this artist has like made a bit okay of, you know I think but then the next like I still like a completely different artist in a completely different place and the guy still had two dicks and I'm like okay it's, Cl- clarification it's not in the game this right? question is this question is if is that what in Sean Nintendo's like? Breath of the Wild <laughs> your question yes is in Nintendo's Breath of the Wild. Do we see Prince Sinon's dick? My his, answer to you, having you his finished double his double dick, <laughs> having played the game in its entirety, yes, I did not see any double dick. I have no clue. <laughs> Maybe the same. I have no DLC. clue what shark dicks look like. Like I don't know. I'm not going to Google it. Um, if someone wants to email us, because <laughs> I have no idea. Listeners, do you, do you know what shark business looks like? Let us know. Family and friends at home, if you know <laughs> what shark dicks look like, please I, tell us. I absolutely refuse to Google that information. If I'm not I, Googling if, it. If only because I would probably get put onto some kind of register. Um, <laughs> probably just find more Prince Sion dick, to be honest. <laughs> like, that's probably what's going to come up. Sharks uh, with two dicks, question mark, Prince Sion. Thanks, Google Images. No. <laughs> you've, you've answered nothing. <laughs> This just raises further questions. I really, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing in the game to insinuate or, like, why. I think it's just someone did it and then it became, like, <laughs> fanon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, someone saw it and they're like, that's nice. I'm doing that, too. And now it's, like, considered what's real. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> just like, eh, why not? Yeah. Dear me. What were we even talking about? What's our show about? I don't know. Um... <laughs> oh, we were talking about uh, Starfighter and the hotness. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. One thing that I thought was really interesting about Starfighter is that it's almost, it, you know, it's it's kind of like the way that it's like framed in the story. It's treated as a taboo that a fighter and navigator would be having a sexual relationship. Yeah, it, it, which is weird. <laughs> but everybody has lube. Like, why are they what, ready on hand? Like, what's that Maybe. for? Why are they? Because like, obviously, they would have to be issued that. You can't just like. <laughs> You know, you're on a battleship in deep space. You can't pop out to a pharmacy. No, no, no. That battleship definitely has, like, one or two convenience shops in it. And in <laughs> your spare time, you can go 
buy some space lube. I'm going to the CVS on on B deck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I no doubt the Enterprise has like you know <laughs> some wall that you push buttons and then band aids <laughs> come out or whatever. Like that must be real. Sure. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> they go to the lube wall and they click the lube button and then they get some lube. Solved it. That's real. <laughs> okay. Um, Star Trek is ruined forever for me now. Huh? No, I was talking about. Good job. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was that was that that's another interesting um, aspect of Starfighter is it, it it is almost kind of like a forbidden relationship in a way. Although it's kind of like. You just you know you're shoving these like two people together. They got they have to spend like all their time together. Like statistically, some of them are gonna fuck. I mean, you must know yeah. that. That's that's on you, like space fleet, whatever you're called. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit. You're asking for a lot of miracles to happen. <laughs> like that's what they're doing. I mean, because like you see, like you know, because like fight fighters obviously like engage in recreational sex. Because like there's a scene like in the showers, and yeah. like, there's a character like you know one of the characters is leaving the shower, and there's just two guys just fucking. In the in the foreground, in the showers, you know what? In front it of might be like, it might be more of a class thing, um, like like the idea that they shouldn't be together because the navigators are like smart and delicate or whatever, and the and they come from good families, and the fighters are all like poor boys, and they <laughs> don't they shouldn't be touching the royalty. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's kind of that, yeah. you can get that vibe a little bit, but again, it's it's not outright. It is. Said. It is kind of like there is that as well. There is there is a very because that's the thing, because, like, I think a lot of the time, like, works about sex, they tend to be treated, like, they all sort of tend to be, like, tarred with the same brush, and it's like, oh, you know, it's like, there's going to be no story, it's just going to be, like, and it's going to be, like, really flimsy, like, as a reason for, like, sex to happen, and it's like, it's actually not, like, especially in Starfighter, the story is, you know, it, it is, like, like I said to you when I recommended it to you, it's a character study. You know, it's like you get yes. to you get to know these characters while they're fucking, and, yeah. You know, in cupboards and and starfighter cockpits, <laughs> <laughs> cockpit. <laughs> Joke um, writes itself. I know. Um, but yeah, so it's like there is like that, that's that's the thing that like starfighter is very, I would say, narratively sophisticated, and I'm not saying I... like. It, oh, oh, you know, for pornography, it's sophisticated. It's like in and of itself, it's it's good. No, I, you know, I don't even think of it like I'm so freaking down a hole with comics and stuff. I, <laughs> I barely, I barely classify things. Be like, this is the porno comic. This is the comic from Japan. Like, I don't even do that anymore. I'm just like, oh, it's a comic. Cool, let's read it. Like, that's how liberated. <laughs> I am in my thinking, you know what I mean? So I never even, I didn't even think about it like, well, if it's a porn comic, I gotta think about it compared to other porn yeah, comics. You, I'm like, you, I'm like, no, the storyboard is pretty pretty lacking. Like, I'm straight up just like, for a comic, I don't care. Like, you, you know, what you, you, engage, it is. you engage with each work on its own individual merits rather than. Yeah, like, that's what I try to do like, anyway. To, 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 to date, I have only ever seen one pornographic film. Uh, it was uh, one that my ex owned, and it was like pirates and stuff. And we watched we watched it together, and you know, and she sort of like like halfway through, she like she turned to me and she's like, "So what do you think?" And I'm like, "Why is the acting so bad?" And and she just kind of like buried her face in her hands, like, "Oh, you you're missing the you're missing the point about what this is supposed to be." And it's kind of like I just like the acting's terrible. I can't. Yeah. 
I, I can't, I, you know, I don't feel invested in this at all. Um, well, that you don't have that issue with this one because if you're, you know, translate acting to to character bits, um, it's really on par, and I I agree with you. I think it's a smart series, and it's it's engaging it, enough, and it pays off enough. Yeah, and balanced well. You the know, thing, the thing that I like about the character designs is that I think a, a lot of the times, what you know, what can happen is that like characters will have you know the same face, and you know. Oh, yeah like you rely on things like you know hair and clothes to differentiate between them but it's like the comics you know the comics like largely you know it's largely black and white or it's you know it's it there's not like very like the use of color is very deliberate it's very sparse yeah um and you know like so like you've also got the thing of like you know all all the fighters have black hair all the navigators have white hair so it's like it's down to you know and, and you know and they all wear uniforms because they're in the military and they wear the same uniforms yeah yeah and so you know for the for the character designs to you know to be that distinctive in terms of just each each character has an individual face yeah that, like, that's what i was like trying to talk do. on earlier was it feels like it has a cohesive design where you feel like all these people come from the same physical world you know what I mean? Like, because you get designs where it's very, very, very different character to character, and they don't have that cohesive feel. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Something like One Piece, it works somehow, but nobody looks, you know, the same. Um, and then you get something like Oku or a lot of um, Urasawa's works, so like Pluto or yeah. Monster or Master Keaton. And his style, it reminded me of that type of very particular... You can see the character's design, you can see it's a different person, but you still need to pay attention to their name because that's just as important over just the visual, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a good balance between writing story and then showing story or the visual yeah. aspects of a story. Because that's, like, a thing that I've noticed, obviously, like, you know, from, like, the, like most of my life, like, I've read, like, American superhero comics. And there have been times where I've, like, you know, I've read, like, say, you know, JLA and yeah it'll have like you know artists who are like really like famous artists in the field of you know u.s superhero comics and like i'm just you know and i'm looking at it, it's like you know and you've got like a little lineup of the superheroes and it's like every single one like this is the same guy just in different with costumes. a slightly different hair and a different costume yeah, yeah it's like this is just the same guy in different costumes like that's that's the thing that always kind of got me about like superhero comics is like everyone's the same height you, you know i feel like that's uh, recently changed yeah but like it, Certainly, like when I first started reading comics, it's like every everyone was the same height, everyone was practically the same build. Or there was like it was I mean, it was kind of like everyone was like you know like drawn from like templates. Whereas you, you can you can just say Jim Lee if you want to say. <laughs> that was literally what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You're among friends here. <laughs> oh, I might, I might I might I might bleep that out. I might bleep the name out. No, um. <laughs> let him know. Put, putting him on blast um <laughs> f- fuck you jim lee and your pumpkin shoulders um, <laughs> um oh my god actually to me talking of um sex scenes in comics i um when they uh when dc rebooted a lot of the uh wildstorm stuff oh ab- god like about like 10 years ago ish um like there was that's a, what we needed <laughs> there was a sex scene in the first issue of the the re like the rebooted first issue of Wildcats, um, which was written, which I think was written by Grant Morrison and drawn by Jim Lee, and there's a sex scene in it, and it's like the sex scene was never in the script, and 
like they were like so where where did the sex scene come from and jim lee was just like oh you know i was in a hotel room i was lonely it's like so now the sex no, man. so now the sex in the comic and they had to like do it as like they called it like really weirdly so it was like you couldn't actually see what was going on and it was like it was almost kind of like infrared like you know it was, what? It was it, right ima- oh imagine God. imagine like a, you know imagine a scene of pornography from like the point of view of a predator from the film <laughs> series predator um okay where it's all like well like thermal imaging and it's like that's an odd stylistic choice yeah um, but then you found out that that was never supposed to be in there and it's like well fucking cut it out then make him redo it just, just yeah you guys have power editor. right you know this isn't real right like you're making it right <laughs> guys fucking yeah and, put in some you know, giant like, word bubbles like i don't was, know it was a really badly drawn sex scene as well not nothing like the quality that you could expect from such works as starfighter oh yeah they're good and we brought it back on topic <laughs> Good job. There Nate. we go. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, no, like, oh, oh yeah. sorry. <laughs> to, to elaborate, mm-hmm. um, again, I, I the, the series is, you know, it's got the sex scenes and stuff, but it has a very, I think, set focus on character reaction within a sex scene. Like, if you read Yaoi or something like that, a lot of the time you don't see the character's face. Like, it's... Yeah, because... It's hard to explain. Cause, like Because their neck is, like, six feet long. You can't no, fit, I mean... You can't fit it in the frame. Yeah, it's ten-foot hand is covering the entire face. Of, <laughs> spider hand is covering the face. Oh, God, no. Uh, no, I mean... hand like a trash can. But this happens in, like, hentai and stuff like that, too. I mean, whatever, any general porn comic, um, it focuses on kind of knowing the individual characteristic and focusing on the more physical aspects usually to the point where you're like i don't need to see this like this is not how it works at all but okay um (laughs) and in starfighter it had again a really good balance of seeing their actual face and not just like a blushed up whatever or like only from behind or like you know it had a very good rotation of that and i that works really well for honestly like character shorthand yeah you know I mean, like it, it they, you understand the characters through sex scenes which is really rare in my <laughs> understanding or experience with with comics that I have if they have sex scenes at all you know it's not like a stop let's have sex okay continue go it's you carry on the story whatever they were talking yeah, about or whatever it leads into which is very very impressive i thought yeah, I mean, like, the artwork in Starfighter is such that, like, you can get the same, you know, like, you can get the same effect of, like, a drawing of a dick going in a butt. Like, <laughs> you can get that same effect just by focusing on a character's face. You get the same yes. kind of, like, intensity in the scene. And it's, you know, it's it's equally as effective. It's, like, the sex scenes in Starfighter are some of the best, like, examples of visual storytelling that I've ever seen in anything. I I really was really blown away because <laughs> you know where everything is and you know where everything's going. Yeah, <laughs> it it's like a conversation. Um, and it does such a good job showing you. That's why I was so frustrated with the star fighting bit. I'm like, it's called Starfighter. Like, I get it. I know what you're going for, but where can you, how can you get that emotion and that visual story? <laughs> you know, would you have had those reservations if the title of the comic was like Space Fucker or something? 
No, I mean, if it was called, like, Cain and Abel, I mean, yeah. I don't want to harp on it too much. It's still really, really good, and I really enjoy it. I just feel, I'm not going to say it's misleading, but I think it is setting up kind of a subconscious reader issue, at least for me, where, you know, I you, you're so obviously so good at visual storytelling and having, like, a conversation through through sex, and then you have a very similar you know, honestly, a similar situation when they're flying their ship together, they have to be in the same, you know, rhythm. They have to have the same type of harmony. You can do that type of scene in the fighting scenes, and it would, you know, really amp up, I think, their emotional bond on top of the sex and stuff, and it would help further explain why they're considered probably the top team. Because I just, I don't see that in the comic. I'm told it, and I believe it, and I'm gonna, it's fine, but I just, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. You could really amp this baby up to 11, and that's what I think. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, it's great. There's, <laughs> like, a similarity, I think, between uh, Starfighter and From the New World is that both they both take place in settings that have very, very strict rules and concern themselves with breaking those rules in order to live. Not just, like, you know, survive, but to actually have, like, a fulfilling existence. Yes, they do. Because, like, especially like in From the New World, th- that society has a lot of rules, and the the main characters, as as they like, get a more sort of nuanced understanding of the society that they live in and why it is the way it is, they they come to to break the rules, and like sometimes sometimes you have to break the rules to live. Yes, I think there's a bit of that happening in Starfighter as well. Some of it's still shrouded in mystery. You know what I mean? Like they're breaking the rules, but there's obviously that undercurrent plot of. Kane kind of, you know, being told what's going to do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you got the whole uh, tie-in to um, the Sacred Band of Thebes going on there. So, that's interesting. I want to kind of expand on that. I'm sure they will. Give it some time. You know what that is, yeah? I don't I don't think I do, no. <gasps> Oh, you're in for such a treat. Okay, the Sacred Band of Thieves were a elite fighting force in Greece. They, like, defeated the Spartans, and they were entirely made up of homosexual men. Oh, cool. I didn't yeah. know that. I, I've somehow never come across this. Yeah, and so they they the theory was they fought so well because they were fighting alongside their lovers and stuff, and so they would watch each other's back, and they had a really intense sense ah. of community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so they have like, a really intense sense of community so we you know with the pairing up aspect of starfighter i kind of got that vibe and then i think i think whatever kane and the general guy are, are cooking up is called like the thebes experiment or something like that yeah so they're obviously trying to like bond kane and abel intensely through the through sex basically i think which is you know breaking the rules so it's really interesting to see where that Go. In in the comic, there is like an agenda at work that Kane is involved with that Abel doesn't know anything about, and yes. I think I think we are possibly supposed to reflect on the fact that I think of all the pairings with like the the names and stuff, our our focal characters are that's the only pairing I think so far that we've seen where 
one of them kills the other. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like... Which is a little just... a little, uh... And, and the, the fact that Abel is the one who doesn't know about the plan and has the name of the one that was killed, I think we are probably going to find out that there is, like, those names were were chosen very deliberately. Yeah, and it, it, it sets up, you know, the mystery, and you, you because they're so... I mean, all the other names are, you gotta be, like, a big old nerd to to connect <laughs> a lot of like where they come from but Cain Abel's the one that's like you know this one <laughs> yeah. you know this story yeah so uh it kind of sets the tone pretty instantaneously so I am I'm interested to see where that goes but tying it into you know talking about the idea of breaking rules to survive I mean he's definitely breaking the rules and in a lot of ways it's mostly so at the moment Cain can survive because he's obviously basically being coerced into doing this it's not entirely of his own choice so he's breaking the rules but he's being told to break the rules it's just an interesting dynamic it is because like i've seen like it was obviously like when i I got like really into starfighter like i went looking online for stuff and i saw some people some people were like you know read it and it's like oh it was it was people who didn't get it basically and they were like well why you know why is everybody gay and it's like well (laughs) because fuck off that's why (laughs) And but it's also like it's like you like you know if if you if you require a justification for this, then martial homosexuality has been a thing for like centuries all over the world. Not yeah. not ju- not just like in ancient Greece, but also like yeah in Japan. Yeah, freaking World War Two. Like <laughs> you know, it would never have occurred to me to have like to have read something like Starfighter and gone, oh why why are they all having sex? It's like because they are because that's the story. Like, if you want, you know, if you want stories about, like, space fighting that doesn't involve same-sex... There's plenty of those. ...same-sex yeah. fucking, then you you have, like, so many to choose from. But, you go, know... Go just watch this... Star Wars. Yeah, just... Go, let... go watch a Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just, you know, it's such, like, a weird thing for people to be, like... Isn't it phenomenal sometimes when you, like, you're, like, you love something, and you're online, you're like, I love this thing, I'm gonna go look at this stuff, and then you come across an opinion where you're just like, this is so wrong (laughs) you're like should i respond to this four-year-old comment (laughs) on this thing because it's got me so worked up that i need this person to know who's probably changed their email and like or died that i completely disagree yeah and sometimes it's like the most asinine thing where you're like you didn't even make that comment you didn't even need to make me make me hear or read these words because it's stupid and you're stupid (laughs) like the childish the childish response reflex that we all fight against still to this day <laughs> for certain things i think starfighter is one of those things where because because like i've come across things where it's like you know i i've seen like criticisms of it where people have gone oh you know like the the relationship between the two main characters is it's unhealthy is, it's like it's so unhealthy it's like yeah that's the point that's the story it, it's like it, it's not supposed to be reassuring this you yeah know, this this story is is challenging you you know it's 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 presenting you with i think it's a point that somebody made on tumblr it's like not everything can be a slow burn coffee shop au it's like yeah th- those have their place definitely and are nice if that's what you're in the mood for but not if every story was like that then it would yeah. be boring this is the thing where it's like this is kind of fucked up let's see where it goes <laughs> i do not believe obviously like you know, I, I'm you know, I'm a big fan of Hammond Machine's work. I follow them on you know, I follow them on Tumblr, I follow them on Twitter, which is means I tend to see like the same art in different places and just be like <laughs> click, click both times. Um like I don't know them as a person, so I can't speak for you know for for their like intentions, but 
the impression that I got from the work is that I do not think that they're endorsing uh, this type of behavior. There is there's nothing in like Cain and Abel's relationship that that is like being presented as a model for relationships. It's like, do you like a guy? Bite him on the face. I don't. Think, yeah. Like that's not like. I I think if yeah. I were to guess, I know that we. Sorry. Sorry. I think if I were to guess, or people maybe have the the real issue is that they see a relationship that's not you know healthy um and then there's sex and porn and they like that bit so there's like this residue <laughs> guilt about you know i mean it's, it sounds silly but that's true that's just how some people i think now function is they 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 feel bad that they like something or that they get something out of it because it's not you know pure or perfect or whatever i mean um, some parts of this have existed in fanish spaces for a long time and comic book spaces even um, with a wide amount of characters. So I think that might be the problem, is they actually like it, but because it has, you know, it's mm. not <laughs> easy and digestible, well, they I, just rebel against it because they can't quite sort it out from themselves. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've, I've always thought that, you know, f- fiction is the ideal place to explore things like this because it is like... You know, it's like it's a safe, controlled environment, and it that isn't. You know, it it doesn't directly impinge on anyone's like actual life. Yeah, I always think of it as I always compare it in my head to to dreaming, where it's it's a safe space where you can practice something or you can experience something without actually having to to do it or be in any danger or be in any you know real issue. That's what dreams are. I think like the be- the best kind of like approach is is to have a very kind of like robust nuanced approach where it's like yeah fiction can be you know fiction is a controlled environment where we can explore these things but at the same time you have to be conscious of the effects that fiction can have yes depicting something doesn't necessitate its endorsement but at the same time could feed into like its normalization and stuff and yeah you have to be careful how you and i I don't think i don't think that's the i don't think that's the case with starfighter but i think like there are things like depicting something in fiction can lead to it being normalized and it's important to you know be conscious of that and be aware of that um the thing that gets i think i know that the thing that gets brought up a lot on the internet now is like shipping characters and (laughs) like when when people ship like a character like when people ship two characters and one of them is a minor and one of them is not there's a divide where people are like you shouldn't do this because you're normalizing pedophilia and there's people like oh but it's not real so it doesn't really matter it's like me personally i I don't see the appeal of shipping like an adult with a, a minor. It's like I I don't get why that is a thing for some people. But I think if you do that, then even if your position on that is it's just fiction, they're not real people. It doesn't really matter. It's like I still think it's your responsibility to first of all ask yourself why does this appeal to me, and then think who else might this appeal to, and do I want my life choices to align with theirs i think is is probably that that's probably like the healthiest approach that you like i think you could have is to be aware of the choices that you make and why you're making it and the effects that it could maybe have and like like to be honest like if if you are the kind of person who ships like an adult with a minor it's like you have to acknowledge that some people are going to be uncomfortable with that and may not wish to associate with you based on that i think that's kind of that's like your price of admission i think you kind of you have to yeah, I mean, it's it's always, it's on the surface simple and then always much more complicated. Like, 
if I see some, it, it depends on how they conduct themselves about it as well. Like if you you don't if you ship somebody that's you know a big age disparity, you don't. I mean, it's your blog, it's your space, your personal space, blah blah blah. You can reblog or do artwork or whatever you want to do, but at the same time, you you sometimes you need to take a step back and just be like, maybe this will just be my own me thing, you know? <laughs> like maybe I uh, draw this thing and I don't post it and share it and try to get it on some art blog or you know. Like, uh, there, there are degrees you can do of, like, a private version of, like, your own fandom activities. Um, I'm not necessarily because you don't want people, like, angry at you in your inbox, but at the same time, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's both things. As you said, it's a personal responsibility. You gotta stop and think, why do I like these things? And then, you know, it, am I comfortable sharing these things? And if you are comfortable sharing those things, then get ready for, you know, responses to it, because it's a shared space. Yeah. And don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> that that that's the important thing, I think, and I think that's you know that that's that's a lesson for us all. Don't be a jerk on the internet. Um, yep, yep. There you go. We solved all the problems. We solved the internet. Yay! You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> okay, I reckon. Um, I I don't think it's it's it, it's not gonna like improve from from us fixing the internet. I in, you entirely know. forever. So yeah, <laughs> we've done it. Good job, us. Um, yeah. So I reckon we should call that an episode. I guess. So, Christy, thank you for joining me again, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed Starfighter. Uh, thank you for recommending From New World to me because it, I you know because I really enjoy it. It's it's probably going to be a thing that I'm into going forward, and I will continuously demand <laughs> an English translation of the novel for the rest of my life until I get one. Well, I'm so glad you liked it. I hope it was <laughs> devastating. That was my main <laughs> goal. You're a, you're literally a monster. Um. Yeah, well, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I hope you cried because <laughs> that means it was. I did a, yes. a, a lot, a few times. Um. <laughs> Feel my pain. He's like, yes, um. delicious tears. Um. <laughs> yes, thank oh, you. God. Please, ne- please never make that noise in my ears again. I'll do whatever I I'm, want. I'm wearing. I'm you wearing, invited me here. I'm wearing headphones, dude. Hey, Come on. All right. You'll survive. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, join us again in two weeks when we will be recommending different stuff. Aloha! 